What's doing, everybody? Today is Tuesday, January 16th. President Donald Trump makes a statement last night in Iowa dominating the Iowa caucuses. Trump's former deputy director of national intelligence, Cash Patel, joins me on the podcast to break it all down. Also, we're going to discuss the disaster that has become the Middle East, including Yemen, Iran, and so much more. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to the Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you're watching the broadcast live here on Rumble, please get down there, hit the like button. Please follow the channel and share the broadcast with as many people as you can. Everybody in your contact list, let's get as many people into the live here as possible. I'd love to encourage you guys. Take part in the chat down there. Leave a comment. Make your voice heard. Listen, this was a dominating performance. Donald Trump made a statement last night in Iowa. This thing was over faster than a Mike Tyson pay-per-view fight in the late 1980s. Uh, It was over really before it started. Even CNN had to call it. Uh, And just like this entire race, it's over before it even started. This is Donald Trump's party. It is now, and it will be until he is out of politics. So to try to live in denial, there have been so many people that I like that are just living in a delusion. I don't know if it's because they're being paid by the other side or whatever it has been. This is never going to be a anything more than a one-horse race. This is it. It's Donald Trump's party. He showed you that last night in Iowa. He'll show it to you in New Hampshire. He's going to show it to you all the way until 2024 in November when he is the candidate. So right now, the best thing that every candidate could do that's in this thing is drop out, throw their full... If you truly, truly support America and want to, to send a message to Joe Biden... Pull your campaign down. Stop the foolishness. Stop the fighting and the jabs. All you're doing is giving the Democrats some ammunition to go after Trump. Stop the fight. It's over. Stop living in a delusion and throw your support behind Donald Trump. And let's send a message to Joe Biden and let's go on the attack. All right, enough of this nonsense here from the DeSantis camp, from the Haley camp. It's all over. Now it's time to start all being surrogates for Donald Trump. It's all time to start campaigning for Donald Trump. And I have got a great guest for you guys today because right now there is World War III. On the, we are on the brink of World War III here with what's going on in the Middle East. I'm going to break all this down with Cash Patel, who was Trump's, uh, Trump's former deputy director of national intelligence. He's got his finger on the pulse. He knows everything that's going on with, with what's going on over in the Middle East. So we're going to talk to him about that, about the Iowa caucuses, about these bogus trials that are continuing to go on. We know that the Fannie Willis, she has been caught in a scandal now. I'll talk about that with Cash. Uh, Jack Smith's indictments look like they are falling apart one by one here. And so if you are a Trump hater, boy, was it a bad few days for you, okay? Uh, Donald Trump is the man to represent the GOP in the election in 2024. And let's just make it happen already and stop the nonsense. So I'm going to bring Cash Patel on here in just a couple of seconds. I just want to make a program announcement because 
Thursday, I am going to have a just a tremendous, tremendous show for you guys. I already made the announcement last week. Uh, Don, Donald Trump's son, Eric Trump, is going to be joining me here on Thursday. There's a lot to talk about. Also joining me on Thursday, I'm on the schedule right now uh, with former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill, who uh, blew away Osama bin Laden, did the world a favor. But Rob O'Neill, the Navy SEAL, will be here with me on Thursday, as well as Eric Trump. Also going to have a big story to break on Thursday, working on all the details right now. It's going to be a bombshell, and so you don't want to miss out on that. So right now on the schedule, unless things change, I've got Eric Trump and I've got Rob O'Neill joining me here on Thursday. So you're not going to want to miss out on Thursday's broadcast. So please get down there, follow the channel, and don't miss out on that one. Uh, that'll be coming your way on Thursday. So right now, I got Cash Patel in the Zoom room. Let's not waste no more time. Let's bring him in. All right, let's do this. Uh, joining me now, Cash Patel. Welcome back to the Alec Lay Show. <laughs> it's great to be back on the program. Thanks for having me. Well, honored as always to hear you, have you here. Listen, obviously the big news is uh, Trump made a big statement last night with Iowa. This is Trump's campaign. I think now it's the, I think Vivek Ramaswamy did the right thing by bowing out. I wish that we would see the other two candidates do the same. What's your take on Iowa on Trump's historic night last night? I think Iowa showed the world <clears throat> that Americans care about America first priorities and policies. And President Trump put those on the line every single day on his campaign. And the first tally to come in was in Iowa. And you don't have to listen to me or the political pundits or the morons on the mainstream media. 50 plus percent of Iowans came in overwhelmingly for President Trump. That is a resounding thumping of the rest of the uh, candidates that were involved in the process. And you're right. <clears throat> Since America has spoken at least in Iowa, um, you would think that the GOP forces would combine efforts because our conservative movement is more important and defeating the radical left agenda is the priority. But these people are so selfish. And I'm talking about Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, and they're so owned by the Rhino Establishment Department of Defense Industrial Complex lobbying class that they will never yield because they are continuing to audition for a bank statement and they don't care actually about putting America first. And that's the difference between them and Donald Trump. You know, it makes sense for them what they're doing because they're being paid, they're owned, whatever. Yeah. But it's the supporters that they have that drives me crazy. Like people have been delusional about this. This, is, this isn't <laughs> like uh, Donald Trump going against, a, uh, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, two Super Bowl teams going against each other. This is a Super Bowl team going against the Pee Wee team. Like, they, like the influencers on the other side, I've interviewed a few of them. I like a few of them. Uh, I just don't understand where they're coming from. Like, are they watching a different country? Are they living in a different country than I am? Like, this is the Trump movement right now. This is his party. So uh, I don't understand why they think like they even right now like if you're still out there you know tweeting about and thinking ron DeSantis, like you, you you're you're living in a, in a totally different world than i am well what what they're playing for in my opinion is <clears throat> sort of the a calamity that no one foresees and hopefully doesn't happen they want donald trump out of the race and whether that's through this weaponized system of justice or he gets sidelined through all these civil suits and criminal cases and then he can't run because of this you know, bogus insurrection narrative. That's actually secretly what Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley are cheering for and everybody that's backing them. And that's how shameful they are. They don't have the, the audacity to even say what is truthfully at the core of their campaign. Because like you said, they're not beating Donald Trump. They're not beating his policies. Look, as a national security guy, intel guy for President Trump, um, I ask them all the time, which one of you has a better policy to seal the border, to end the forever wars, 
to shut down the biggest terrorists in Iran, to take on the CCP in Russia, to stop the war in the Ukraine, to put peace in the Middle East, in Israel, and end that war? Which of them? I'm open to it. I'm not saying we did everything perfectly well, but if they had a better policy, they'd be going for that. So what they're going for is essentially, I'm playing for the fumble. You know, maybe Trump will get sidelined somehow, and if he does, I'll be the GOP guy because I've got the backing of the billionaire bazoon industry or whatever, you know, Paul Ryan's pushing nowadays. Yeah, they're hoping for a forfeit. But everything you just said is exactly what we need right now. And it's like, you know, the goal here isn't to de- defeat uh, Ron DeSantis. The goal isn't to defeat Nikki Haley. The right. goal is to defeat Joe Biden and the Democrats here. So I understand, too, that a lot of the Trump fluencers, they're spiking the football and, and they're cheering loudly. It's like, yes, celebrate the victory in Iowa, but not too long. Uh, it's like we, we have got to take the country back. That is the main focus here right now. And it's like uh, I know that sooner or later we're going to have to extend the hand and say, hey, guys, let's let's help you get aboard the Trump train here. What's it going to take for you to stop the fight and get on board with where this, with the direction of this country is? Because it's it's Joe Biden and the Democrats. We've done nothing to secure our actual national elections here. And that's still going to be the biggest problem. I think the biggest opponent Trump has is, is the fraud that he may face, just like he did the last time going around. Look, I think you heard President Trump strike that tone last night when he delivered his victory speech In Iowa, he wasn't necessarily spiking the football. He was saying, everyone come into the MAGA movement tent. Everyone is welcome because everyone is subscribing to these policies. And the goal is, like you said, not Nikki Haley or DeSantis or whatever. It's to defeat Joe Biden and the radical left. And I think when President Trump put out that conciliatory tone and welcoming invite to everyday Americans, more and more people are coming into his movement. And you see where his heart and mind is at capturing all Americans, not just MAGA Americans, America first Americans, or whatever you want to call them. And I think, you know, when you're talking about going to the polls and voting down the road in November and election security, I think one of the biggest ways to defend against any more election rigging scams, which are coming from the deep state, is you have to win so big that it doesn't matter. And the way you win big, and maybe I'm biased in this, I know every time people talk about votes and polls, it's economy, economy, economy. I think in this rare instance, it's national security, law enforcement and defense of this nation. I think you heard President Trump take the stage last night and he was talking about Iran. He was talking about the border. He was talking about illegal immigration. He was talking about these things that generally don't permeate down to a presidential election level at the top tier. But this time they are. And no one's got a better agenda than he does on those things. Yeah, because even like you say, even as he, he's not giving that celebratory tone, because even as he's accepting the win, there's still thousands of people coming across the border as we speak. So it's like n- nothing is being done to stop that. And look what happens. Look in Iowa. They had you had to show voter ID and write it, write your vote down on a piece of paper. Right. And look what happened. You know, Trump just smoked everybody. So <laughs> I wish we could see that on a much larger scale. But uh, how do you see it play out here? How does the rest of this campaign work out for you? When do we see Nikki and Ron finally bow out? Is it going to be after New Hampshire, after Nevada? Is it going to wait until Super Tuesday? What's your what's your take kind of foreseeing the future here at this campaign trail well i'm excited i'm here at home in nevada and people forget that our primary is actually before south carolina and right after new hampshire so everyone's coming here in a couple of weeks i know the campaign's getting ready to hit the trail in new hampshire as they should be they've done a brilliant job focusing a multifaceted effort not just singular effort um, going across the country and donald trump's going to I think work harder, as he always does, than literally everybody out there. I mean, you have to take a pause and give America the civics lesson that only Donald Trump can give them. 
The guy just won 98 out of 99 counties in Iowa, and he didn't win them by like a vote. He won them by doubling up on his next closest competitor. That's not just a win. That is a beatdown of epic proportions. And it's not just because they love Donald Trump. It's because the American people have received Donald Trump's policy and said, I want that. So I think where the campaign goes and where Donald Trump goes is more of that. They're going to go to New Hampshire. And look, the media, and you've already seen it since last night, they're shifting the goalposts. Oh, what if he doesn't get 50? Oh, he only got 51. No, it's 48. It was a monumental defeat for Donald Trump. And they're going to continue to do that. And they're going to go on to their next narrative, which they seeded right before the Iowa caucuses was, if Donald Trump wins, he's going to be a dictator and hijack the military. As if there's any truth to that, but they've now lost on the insurrection narrative, both legally and in the public opinion. So they're coming up with Russiagate 17.0. And we'll get seven more iterations of that between now and November. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. They're not going to go away quietly. We, we know we, they're going to go kicking and screaming all the way. And it's a, a great win. I think it's a good win for the America First MAGA movement. Just a great win for Americans. He got more votes than, than Nikki, Ron, and Vivek all combined. Uh, so it was the decisive victory we need. I wanted to move on here uh, uh, to some, some more worldwide stuff here yeah. because this thing that's going on uh, with the Houthis, uh, yeah. where they had the, the missile. I know we were seeing the images yesterday that weren't the real images. They were stock photos that were being shared around uh, Twitter. But there was a confirmed report that the the Houthis uh, attacked a U.S.-owned container ship off the Gulf of Aden. First of all, if you could hit the listeners here, who are the Houthis? We hear all the time. It always seems like it's changing. We hear Hezbollah, Taliban, Al-Qaeda, ISIS. Who are the Houthis? And what can you tell us about this attack and what it means? Yeah, look, this is, you know, this is what I used to do, national security, defense, intel. And as Trump's chief of staff and head of his counterterrorism platforms, you know how we treated terrorists? As terrorists. And the Houthis are terrorists. They are Iran's bought and paid for mercenary force in Yemen designed to attack United States of America and our allies and interests, period. Donald Trump made them a foreign terrorist organization. And what that means basically is we were able to get after the fight. They were bad guys. We could kill them. We could um, suffocate them diplomatically and economically, and we could make sure they didn't harm Americans. That's what happened. Joe Biden comes into office and removes the foreign terrorist organization sanctions listing. He took it off them. And his justification was he wanted to provide more humanitarian aid. Well, you know the difference between Biden and Trump? We gave humanitarian aid. We just didn't give it to terrorists. Joe Biden cut a $6 billion check to Iran 90 days ago. And now people are surprised that Iran is flush with cash and attacking American and American interests. I mean, the debacle with Secretary Lloyd Austin, we can get into that disastrous national calamity. Putting that aside, how about the fact that United States service members are now dead in the Red Sea because of this disastrous national security policy that Joe Biden keeps limping out because he wants a headline instead of defending this nation? 135 separate terrorist attacks on U.S. military installations in the last 90 days. What if Donald Trump were president and we had one attack? The mainstream media will never cover this. And this, again, is why I think the national security importance of this election cycle is going to maybe overtake even the economy because we are at war. We are being attacked. And just because Congress doesn't call it a war, when you put American service members in the ground and you hand that flag to their family members, we're at war. 
Yeah, and it seems like everyone, nobody knows really even knows that. Nobody knows what's going on because we've seen uh, last week when when the U.S. Uh, made a strike over at Yemen, it was all like, oh, they, why did they do this? They thought we just like kind of attacked them unprovoked. We didn't realize we were getting hit. We didn't realize our U.S. bases were getting attacked. Nobody's telling us any of this information. Like we're not hearing it uh, for, on the national news. So like you said, I didn't know there was that many attacks on U.S. base, 100-something attacks. I, I know that uh, yesterday also, too, the news, uh, Iran targeted uh, – uh, whatever it was in northern Iraq and Syria, they were, yeah, they were shooting missiles over there. What was that all about? So I used to work out of there. Erbil is one of our, you know, we have a military installation up there and we run a lot of operations up there strategically. It's in northern Iraq, generally a safe space for us to, you know, be in between Syria, Iran and be in the region. And now we learned that Iran, the world's largest state sponsor of terror, flush with Joe Biden's cash, struck a United States military installation in Erbil, which is one of our biggest command and control nodes for that region. And no one's talking about it. Or it's like, okay, so what? Okay, so what? Do you remember when there was a collateral attack against a Syrian, a U.S. base in Syria during the Trump administration? One, one time. Thankfully, no one was injured, um, U.S. service member wise. The media went apoplectic. Our central node to launch offensive operations in the Middle East is attacked by the world's largest state sponsor of terror. And the media gives Joe Biden a pass because him and Lloyd Austin are running around out there glad handing each other from the bedside where they receive partial intelligence and distribute a destructive national security policy because CNN will print the headline that somehow they're safeguarding our nation. This is a monumental failure of national security. And this is why I also think so many Iowans and so many Americans are responding to Donald Trump on the campaign trail when he says, I am the commander in chief that ended the forever wars. The four guys before me started 10 wars. I wound out of three. And I think it's prudent when he reminds the world about the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal. We ran it for President Trump based on intelligence. We didn't lose a single soldier. We handed it off to Joe Biden. And you saw what he did when he weaponized it and decided to glorify 9-11 and use that as an arbitrary date to get us out of Afghanistan, only to have 13 of our brave men and women blown up by one of these suicide bombers. And then the morons that were running DOD, Millie and Austin, do you know what their response was? This also didn't really get covered. They went and drone struck Afghan children. They killed Afghani children in a drone strike. And they said, we got the suicide bomber. But it took two weeks for their lies to be exposed. Is that the kind of national security you want out there for the defense of this nation? Yeah, what a disgrace. And you're right on point, Cash, because, you know, the average American, I think the majority of Americans do not want the U.S. involved in these foreign wars. And they know that Donald Trump is not going to get us involved in these foreign wars. Listen, I got four kids. My my two oldest are 17 and 16. They're right there. I don't want my kids being drafted into this military to go fight some foreign war over there in the Middle East or or, or in Russia. That's not what we want. We want let's get peace, true strength, like Trump always preaches. He had the peace deal going in the Middle East. Russia Mm -hmm. wasn't invading Ukraine. We remember this. It wasn't that long ago. And now all of a sudden he gets out of the White House and it's World War III breaking out all over the globe. And people aren't stupid. They can see the writing on the wall where we're headed if we don't stop this right now. And so I'll, I'll, and playing this out, what is the greatest threat right now? If the U.S. is going to get involved in a conflict, where do you see that happening? Are we, are we getting involved with the with the Israel-Palestine thing? Are we getting the Russia-Ukraine? Is it the Middle East? Where is the greatest risk for the U.S. right now to end up in an all-out war? Well, usually you're able to pick one enemy, 
because the United States of America was able to at least defend against the rest. The greatest risk now is sort of a combination of efforts from our enemies. And what I mean by that is because Joe Biden's administration has been completely feckless against Russia, against the CCP, against Iran, those guys have all joined forces for one singular cause, to defeat the United States of America. When you don't treat terrorists as terrorists, when you give them $6 billion, and remember, in the Trump administration, one of Donald Trump's national security uh, cornerstones was preventing Iran from getting nuclear weapons-grade material. We did that. We prevented that. They now have it. And now they're talking about, oh, how are they going to launch that? No big deal. They don't have a delivery system. You know what they're going to do? They're going to call the CCP in Russia and buy it because they got $6 billion. And so what I mean by that is, tragically, we don't just have to take on Iran, who's the largest state sponsor of terror. We have to take on their new allies in Russia and the CCP. Russia's got the war in Ukraine. The CCP is pulling gymnastics over Taiwan. They're never going to stop that. And they are all flush with cash. And they have given Iran access to the international banking system, thanks to Joe Biden. And now we have a multi-headed hedra that we have to go out there and combat against. And we have two world wars. Anybody that thinks Ukraine's not a world war after we've dumped $140 billion is lying. Anybody thinks that what's going on in Israel is not a world war after American service members have been killed in the defense of this nation is lying to your face. And the two people that are the biggest liars are Lloyd Austin and Joe Biden. Our national command authority is literally resting at a bedside table and they are executing the defense of this nation by lying to the world about our top military brass and his health. That is how they prioritize the defense of this nation. And unfortunately, as bad as the enemies are over there, the weaponization of our intelligence structure and defense apparatus is almost as bad. And that falls squarely at the feet of Joe Biden. Yeah, th this is really alarming stuff, man. Really scary, Cash. And you even mentioned, like, what happened with Lloyd Austin? If this had been Trump, th this this thing would have blown up to a uh. just a huge proportions. Like, how does this guy even get away with this? And the media just kind of like it was a story, like uh, like the third story on the third page, and then that was it. Move on from it. I mean, this was huge that this happened. And while we're still conducting military operations, this guy's at his you know, no call, no show. No, look, I was the chief of staff at DOD. We do reps and sets 100% of the time to be ready for 100% of the time, not 97%. And I'm not saying Lloyd Austin can't get military aid. He should get the best health care there is, Secretary of Defense. But when there's a gap, there is a chain of command. There is a law, the National Command Authority, that requires the president and the SECDEF 24-7, 365 to be lockstep. He didn't even tell his deputy number two that he was going out on sick leave. So there was nobody there, literally. What if a hostage situation arose in Africa? What if a terrorist situation arose in Southeast Asia? Or how about, I don't know, two world wars in Ukraine and Israel? Nobody there to pick up the phone. Nobody there to tell our commanders in the field what the lawful executing authorities are to do X, Y, and Z. And the chain of command is literally the cornerstone of the United States military. And I wrote an op-ed on this on Gateway Pundit about how disastrous this was. Because you're right. What if... Donald Trump and his sec def said, eh, I'm just going to go away for a couple of days. And they said the chief of staff at DOD forgot to pass a note to the White House. Sorry, my bad. No way. And now we find out that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and his entire team all knew Austin was bedridden. And none of them told the White House. None of them. 
And their response, oh, the Biden inspector general is running an internal investigation to make sure this doesn't happen again. Here's the bigger tragedy in all of this. Lloyd Austin hasn't been at the helm in three weeks and he's not back in the Pentagon yet. He's home, resting, receiving intelligence. You cannot defend a nation like this. He must resign. He is an abject failure as a secretary of defense. There must be an investigation by lawful authorities and President Biden rubber stamping this approval by saying, oh, no, it's OK. It's just nothing to see here. I still have full faith in Lloyd Austin. That shows you how disastrous our next year is going to be. And um, I think more and more people are going to go over to Donald Trump's national security policy. Yeah, and hopefully we can make it to 2025 to the next inauguration here about a year from today because I, everything <laughs> seems to be going in the wrong direction. And like, just like you said there, too, like it makes you question, like, what else are they not telling Joe Biden about? Who's running the show here? Who's running the country? Like you're, like Joe Biden, it seems like they just they, they tell him who to call on in the press conferences. They, they show him where to exit on the stage. He doesn't seem to do anything on his own, this guy. And, and, you know, you mentioned the CCP. It's almost like I haven't heard the CCP in a year, like I feel like, because everything that's going on with the Middle East, with you. Ukraine with Israel. I don't even hear that. Uh, it seems like the CCP is quietly behind the scenes. And, I, and I'm sure, no doubt, sending all their people over our border, which is wide open. We see that wall that they created in Egypt to keep out the Palestinians. And uh, we look at what we have going on. And it's like how many terrorists are continuing to pour into our country? We have no clue. And it just seems like the CCP, I feel like, has been quietly behind the scenes. And I don't, I don't know. What, what is your take on this whole thing? Are they going to invade Taiwan? Or what is the threat of the CCP? What's the highest threat we face from them right now look the ccp <clears throat> always plays the long game and they don't have any guiding legal system that they abide by okay so they are able to pivot at a moment's notice and right now xi jinping and the ccp are having a dance party no one's focused on them america certainly isn't we're not sanctioning them we're not taking on their tariffs like donald trump did we're not economically suffocating them till they get in line and stop funding illegal activities that hurt america the ccp under Joe Biden, has put in fentanyl through the southern border and the Mexican drug cartels that have killed 100,000 of our youth. Wake up, America. That didn't happen under Donald Trump because we went after not just the cartels, but the CCP and shut down their fentanyl trade. Our children are being murdered, and American media is essentially applauding Joe Biden's national security for allowing this to happen. No other president would receive that kind of hall pass. And these are the things the CCP is doing. Now, whether they invade Taiwan or not, I think it's a strategic issue. I don't know that it's coming up right yet. Um, I think they want to win the propaganda war right now in the world, and they are. They want to help Iran, and they are. They'll help Russia, and they are. They're going to go into Afghanistan, get our weapons out, get the minerals out. They're doing all of these long-term things. And it's no coincidence, this is sort of the final touch of their master plan. <clears throat> our border is open. It is an invasion. And the CCP, Iran, and Russia have been seeding terrorists and criminals through our southern border for the last three years. Don't take my word for it. Certainly don't take Joe Biden's. Mayorkas and FBI Director Chris Wray have testified to Congress two months ago that at least two dozen known terrorists have come in illegally through the southern border and the FBI and DHS don't know where they are. Those are the ones they're admitting to us. After 10 million illegal immigrants, don't you think the number might be more than two dozen? And here's the problem. They'll lie and wait. They're not coming in right now to do something right away. They'll do it at the opportune time. Can you just imagine if under Donald Trump's presidency, 
<clears throat> there was a report by the Federal Bureau of Investigation that two dozen terrorists had been lost by the FBI because the border was unsecure and we decided to what? Let them go? This, to me, domestically presents our biggest national security risk. Yeah, and it's it's impeachable. It's like Mayorkas should have been impeached. I, I can't stand the oh, fact that we have yeah. now, uh, you know, it seems like we were all hyped up about uh, Speaker Johnson getting in there. We were supposed to get the January 6th tapes. That came and went. I, in my opinion, it's time to get him out and get the next man or the next woman up in there. But uh, aside the point, it's like if you're uh, Iran, if you're Russia and you're a CCP, you'd have to be stupid stupid to not take advantage of what's going on yeah. on our border and send terrorists in. Why would you not? I mean, it makes then you might as well just put on an American flag hat because you're, you're not an enemy of the U.S. You have to be explo- exploiting what's going on at our border. And what Joe, for Joe Biden letting this invasion happen, he should be impeached for it. Donald Trump got impeached over far less. And look at what's going on here. It's just like people. This is why I say I don't even know if we can make it to 2025 with all the stuff that's going on. And this, this stuff keeps pouring in. It just seems like it's a disaster waiting to happen here. No, look, you raise a great point <clears throat> with what's going on in Congress. The Republicans have the majority in the House. And I used to work there <clears throat> and I still have a lot of friends there. But that doesn't prevent me from calling them out to get to 2025. Congress needs to act now to help secure our border, to help counterman the threat that is CCP fentanyl, to shut down illegal immigrants and terrorists and criminals from coming in. And you don't do that. When you bend the knee and issue another continuing resolution and kick the can down the road so Congress can go on vacation again and they can go out and campaign. And before you know it, it's the summer. And then we're in November. Congress needs to man up. And I don't care what leadership does it. And they need to go out to the agencies and departments in charge, DHS, FBI, DOD, et cetera, and say, look, we give you taxpayer dollars. You report to us to the Constitution. You need to go secure the border. How about we have immigration judges who actually hold illegals in custody? How about we have CBP officers, and it's not their fault, who are empowered to go out there and arrest illegals and detain them and send them back to Mexico or wherever else they came? These are, I know they're not the maneuver to secure the border in its entirety, but to your point, they are steps we can take to at least get to 2025. And right now, Congress is failing across the board because they're too busy chasing around Hunter Biden, his art dealer, and issuing ridiculous subpoenas that are going to go absolutely nowhere. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the Hunter Biden thing, but you know, last week I had uh, Congresswoman Kat Kamak on, and we talked about this impeaching Mayorkas, and she, you know, she told it on Fox News too, but she said it here. You know, Mayorkas told her, if you don't like me, you know, just wait till you see who's coming after me if you impeach me. Like, is a threat to say, you know, this is all a design. This, this isn't yeah. like happening by accident. The border's not open, you know, by a mistake. Uh, so it, it is a disaster, and something's got to be done. Hopefully, Congress will get their act together and do something. They haven't done nothing uh, since they've had this majority. Just last topic, I want to switch this to cash if I could, is the Trump trials now as we finish out here. Now, obviously, Fannie Willis uh, got caught in a scandal here. It looks like she made her bed and everybody's been sleeping in it. And so we have her, Jack Smith. This guy, it seems like he was unconstitutionally appointed to this position. Uh, So it seems like just as Trump is gaining power, uh, gaining momentum, it seems like these cases against him are falling apart. Uh, What's your take on on these Trump trials? Which is the one that poses the biggest threat to Trump, in your opinion, and has it play out for the rest of the year? You know, and as I've as I've talked to President Trump over over the years here and gearing up for this, you know, election cycle, 
Um, you know, I don't discuss a lot of my personal conversations with him, but this one topic I think is so important that I don't mind discussing and sharing it. You know, we talked about the importance of national security. And I think right up there during this election cycle is exposing the weaponization of justice, the two-tier system of justice. And I, I tell him that that's one of the biggest things that Americans are responding to because he's exposing its corruption. It's not a neocon right-wing conspiracy. We have a two-tier system of justice. Donald, look, I'm the Russiagate guy. Donald Trump was unlawfully surveilled because the FBI took political hot garbage from the opposing party, went to a federal court, lied to a judge, and illegally surveilled him. That happened. That was Lovebirds 1.0, Strzok and Page. It seems that, you know, people who have affairs have an affinity for trying to take out Donald Trump illegally. Sure. But <clears throat> they, they didn't stop. And back then, people were like, you guys are the conspirators. We just put out the truth. And I think when you tie that into Georgia, uh, Florida, D.C., Jack Smith, what have you, you are seeing <clears throat> Donald Trump expose the biased, unlawful nature of what a DOJ and FBI can do to interfering and rigging presidential elections. Remember, Attorney General Merrick Garland has come out publicly and said, we that the DOJ never interfere in elections except for prosecuting a president during a presidential election cycle based on nothing, no facts, and no lawful basis to do so. Putting that aside and turning to now people who say, ah, oh, well, that's just the federal courts. It doesn't happen in state court. Well, today, Donald Trump's in New York defending a defamation lawsuit against an allegation of rape where the victim can't even name the year or the day that it happened. And now you go down to Georgia and look, as a former national security prosecutor and federal public defender, probably one of the few guys that ever did both, <clears throat> the one thing that you're supposed to do as an officer of the court, be it a defense attorney or prosecutor, is follow the canons of ethics. It's the law. You cannot bring bias into the courtroom. You cannot bring unlawful conduct when you are charged with defending the constitution of that state. And this lady goes out and hires a civilian lawyer <clears throat> with no criminal experience has an affair with him. They all lie about it. Target Donald Trump. They get paid $650,000, go on cruises around the world. And now she goes to a church in Georgia and says, a black woman has a right to make a mistake. This has nothing to do with race. But the mainstream media will hand them the race card and Al Sharpton and the other race hustling thugs will come in and make it about race because they got caught. They got exposed. And the question is, you know, what happens? I think there's like an internal review or something going down there in Georgia. But the judge needs to haul these people in before him and say, hey, what the hell are you guys doing? And oh, by the way, Lovebirds 2.0, I want all the text messages. I want all the emails. I want all the memorandums and I want to know why you lied to a sitting court and a judicial officer to bring this prosecution. Putting that aside, the case needs to be tossed. Now, I don't know that that's going to happen down in Georgia, but I think the value that we're seeing here is Donald Trump yet again exposing the two-tier system of justice. You know, never would you think prosecutors and lawyers at the FBI could collude illegally against Donald Trump. Well, they did. And now they did it in Georgia. Where else are they doing it? What is Jack Smith doing when he has rogue prosecutors up his sleeve 
who have been caught burying exculpatory evidence like Karen Gilbert did. These are the people on staff trying to, quote unquote, get Trump. So I don't want to hear any of this. Oh, it's not a politicized, weaponized system of justice. That's exactly what it is. And Donald Trump's exposing it. You know, it reminds me of cash. Is it almost like how they so desperately want to have uh, racial hatred crimes in America that they staged them like with the Jesse yeah. Smollett? They have to do it. It's like they want Trump to commit a crime so bad that they have to stage the crimes that he did. <laughs> and that's really what we're seeing here. It's like they're building up these straw man arguments. They're, they're, their indictments are not built on the rock. They're all built on the sand and they're all collapsing here and they're all looking stupid. And it's like it, it, what I don't know what it's going to take to convince some people, because in, in some people's minds, cash on the other side, it's. It's justified to make up charges against Trump to get him because they feel like he's that bad. Whatever we have to do to get at him is justifiable. So even if it means breaking the law, bending the law, they seem like to think that that's okay to justify it in order to do it. And then they're telling you that if Trump gets power, he's going to do that. And so that's what they're afraid of. And so the whole thing to me is a psychological just uh, screwing of the mind, it seems like. It's a disinformation campaign. It's another election rig job. Remember, they tried insurrection. It's failing in the courts because Donald Trump is innocent. They are trying to roll that out in the media by saying, ah, it doesn't matter. He was insurrectionist anyway. Don't vote for him. That's failing. So what they did now was they seeded this story just before the Iowa caucus we were talking about that's saying, like you just mentioned, when Donald Trump wins, he's going to seize the military and become a dictator. Based on what evidence? I used to be there running his DOD. He didn't seize the military. He he was the guy who authorized the National Guard days before January 6th, only to have it shut down by Pelosi and Bowser. What kind of insurrection is that? Imagine if I had 10,000 guys that Donald Trump wanted there on January 6th, would we even had a January 6th? No, they're the ones that wanted the insurrection narrative. They're the ones that seeded it back then and are bringing it back into play now by saying somehow Donald Trump's going to be a dictator, so here's your scare tactic. And that group of people that you're talking about, we'll never be able to change them. There's always going to be a group of people that wants to rig an election, that wants to get Donald Trump and use a system of justice in a weaponized fashion to get him unlawfully. But I think Donald Trump's brilliance is not going after that subset, but the others around them are starting to wake up and say, wait a second, you guys are the 51 Intel letter guys. You lied to me. I would have voted differently. I trusted you. And you literally took an election away from me. And I think that's starting to tick a lot of people off. So our weapon, it's simple. It's the truth. And we got to go out there and just speak about it 24-7, 365, because it's the one thing we have. And the trap we can't fall into is this. And I tell these audiences I talk to all the time, don't take the bait. We're not right-wing conspirators. And we're not going to agree 100% of the time, nor would I want to. That'd be really weird. But here's the decision you have to make. You can wake up in November and elect Donald Trump president and be a moderate and conservative in this country and have a chief of staff or commanding, uh, excuse me, commander in chief who's swinging for you seven out of 10 times a day. Or you can have Joe Biden. Zero out of 10. You know, this 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 notion that we have to get to 100 percent on everything and everybody's got to agree. We got to disband that notion immediately. And we got to just get Donald Trump into office so he can secure this country. And I think we're winning on that messaging because he's reaching out to those people and convincing them that saving this country is more important than what the mainstream media has to say about it and the people doing the job.
Yeah, very well said, Cash. Yeah, listen, if a baseball player hits three out of ten, they give them $100 million. So uh, <laughs> seven out of ten would be incredible. And just because you mentioned it there, the January 6th, one last point on that is I just seen two of the reports yesterday. Now, this is why the January 6th tapes are so important, that the Oath Keepers, uh, the guys that were testifying, the Capitol Police officers, the, the video evidence shows that they weren't even there. They weren't even where they said they were. They perjured themselves. And now these guys are doing sentences, 18 years, 22 years. And it just seems like now all of a sudden, do these guys get a fair shake now to get a chance to say, hey, wait a second. Just almost like when I had, I had the, the Q shaman guy on here, uh, he was being held in prison. until so all of a sudden the video came out and showed that the Capitol Police were leading this guy on a tour, an escort around the Capitol. Now he's out, thank God, and he's running for Congress. But what do you think it happens with the old keepers here? Do they get a chance to appeal this thing or what? Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of the judges in Washington have shown that they are part of the weaponization of justice. Remember, the DOJ, as unlawful as their conduct is, and the FBI with Ray and Garland, two of the largest government gangsters in my mind, they got the judges to rubber stamp their unlawful prosecutions. They got the judges to detain so many people without bail, some of whom have never had a criminal history and normally would have received bail just so they can incentivize them to plead guilty and go to prison and get their cases over with. That's not due process. <clears throat> and what we need to see for January 6th is a much larger conversation. Yes, we need to see the videos. We need to figure out what happened to the pipe bomber. But this, again, this another disinformation narrative seeded into January 6th. The FBI would never be involved with January. There's no way. There's no way they would ever have anything to do with anything around January 6th. Okay, fast forward. The head of the FBI's Washington field office, Mark D'Antuano, who's now retired, used to work for Chris Ray, <clears throat> came out to Congress and said, we had so many FBI informants and assets in play on January 6th that we had to call every field office in the country and poll them to see how many assets and sources we were using government-funded taxpayer dollars to run into January 6th. Now, let me tell you something about running sources as a guy who did that as a national security prosecutor and intel guy. You can't just drop a source in in like a week's notice. It's a three-month verification validation process. It's another two to three months to find the right operation to get it into. And so these people who say, oh, they just showed up, BS. These people who say the FBI was not involved, now we know that's a total farce. So the question that we have to ask, and I think we can only do this with the Donald Trump DOJ, is who authorized six months ahead of time, the FBI and DOJ, to start seeding assets into this January 6th notion. And why was that authorized? And why were government-funded taxpayer dollars allowed to utilize it? And more importantly, how did they know? How did they... Remember, there was no intel for Jan 6. We didn't know anything was going to happen. The FBI ran a coordinated operation with the DOJ, and this goes right back to Congress. Why Congress hasn't subpoenaed every single source file from the FBI for January 6th to find out how much of our taxpayer dollars were utilized. And I'm not saying expose the sources' names or anything like that. I'm just saying figure out how they were used, who was paid, and how far back it goes so we can call CNN and they can stop lying to the world again and saying, oh, the FBI had nothing to do with it. Now they're saying, oh, there were no agents there. Let's stop being too cute by a half. You got an FBI asset on the ground? The FBI's there. And I think we need to really educate the world on the weaponization of justice that occurred on January 6th and continues to occur through these baseless prosecutions. And, um, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big lift. And uh, selfishly, I hope everybody goes get to my book, Government Gangsters. It's in there.
<laughs> yeah, I got, I got, I got the link to your book, Government Gangsters, down in the description below there. But yeah, I, I think if the truth actually did came out, Cash, uh, and it really did come out, where CNN had to admit, here's the truth, this is what happened on January sixth. I think it would scare the shit out of Americans if they actually knew what happened on January sixth. So it would be, it would be wild. So uh, I got the link to your book down there. What, what are you doing? What do you got today? You got anything coming out today? What are you, what are you working on right now? What's next for you? Now, just out here at home in Nevada, gearing up for the Nevada caucuses and everything else for President Trump. Uh, I'm on Truth Social 24-7. It's the only place you're going to find me. If you think you're following me somewhere else, you're not. But I do want to thank your audience. You know, look, you've made Government Gangsters a bestseller. That's more than I could ever have possibly imagined when I sat down to write this book. And the importance of our entire conversation here is that we have to take out this deep state. Yes, it's real. The mainstream media is lying to you when they say it's not. We cited, what, 50 examples in our 35-minute conversation here alone. And the important thing about government gangsters and Donald Trump launching this book for me is really kind to do is he calls it the blueprint for 2024 because we are all involved in this fight. Whether you're on social media, whether you have a great program like yours, whether you do TV, whether you do speaking engagements, you can go out to the communities, pick one line of effort and do it 294 more times between now and the next election cycle. You know, that's what I'll be doing. And if you ever need advice, um, watch this show one by government gangsters two and get on Truth Social. Let's go, man. We got to get it. We got to take the country back. I love the fact that you're in the fight. Uh, Cash Patel, always an honor to have you on. Love to have you back on again in the future. Uh, link to your book, Government Gangsters, down there in the description below. Cash Patel, thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time today on the Oakley Show. Thanks so much. Have a great week. All right. Honored, as always, to have Cash Patel on the podcast here. It was great meeting him down in Mar-a-Lago. Great to have him here on the Alec Lay Show once again. I always love to hear uh, his perspective. He, he comes from a point of real experience, so you have an actual valid source of where you're getting your information from. That's why I'd love to have him on again as many times as possible to pick his brain. The link to his book is down there in the description below. Uh, Listen, as I said at the top of the podcast here, this is Donald Trump's party. So it's time that we need to stop the fighting, make the peace, make up, and let's move forward on the attack against Joe Biden and the Democrats. We have got so many issues going on right now around the world, in this country, particularly at the border with the inflation. Enough is enough. Americans are sick and tired of what they have seen from Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. So we need everybody's cooperation here. We need to all be one force. We need to be united now and we need to move forward and we need to do something about what's going on in the House of Representatives here, too. Uh, we, we need to get some momentum going. We, we know we're doing with the impeachment with Mayorkas, with the whole impeachment of Joe Biden. We need to see some movement, some traction here from this slim majority that we have. It's now time. Let's go. The ball is in our court. Let's start going on the offense here. And that's what we need to see. Great momentum for the MAGA movement. Great momentum for Donald Trump. Congratulations to him and his family. Again, I'm going to have his son, Eric, on the podcast with me here on Thursday. So it's going to be really exciting. Uh, A big week for the Trump family. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. Don't miss out. It'll be on uh, right here, live on Rumble, Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, So that one's going to be a great program. Also scheduled to have Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill, most known, obviously, for for shooting and killing the most wanted man on the planet, Osama bin Laden. So I'm going to have him here. And and again, uh, there was a tragedy that took place late last week over the weekend. Two Navy SEALs uh, were killed as they were trying to board a ship off the coast of Somalia. The one seal was uh, washed away by a wave off the ladder as he was climbing the boat. According to what I've been reading, again, I can get this right from Rob when we have him here on Thursday, but uh, it seems like as they were boarding, one seal was wiped off by a wave. And as protocol, uh, the next man up, the next seal there jumped in to try to get him. 
and both of them ended up dying. So, uh, you know, th- these are the best of the best. Uh, my heart and soul and my prayers go out to the Navy SEAL community and, and the families of the two sailors, the two frogmen uh, that perished in the line of duty. So uh, g- God bless all of you military veterans out there, all of you active duty members of service. Uh, we wouldn't stand a chance in this world without you. So I want to make sure that we never forget to say that. All right, so that's really all I had for you guys today. I wanted to just hone in on Iowa, hone in on what's going on in the Middle East, and just pick Cash's brain for a little while while I had him here. Again, uh, it's an honor to have him. The link to his book is down there in the description below. Uh, let me know what you guys thought about the Iowa caucus. Should all of the candidates now just take, just peel back here and just throw their support behind Trump? What is the point of carrying out these campaigns? It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. We all know the result, and I guess the only whole thing they're hoping for is that Trump is behind bars or they somehow get them off the ticket. It ain't going to happen, folks. So if you're holding your breath for, for, for somebody to beat Trump out to get the nomination, you're sadly mistaken. It's Trump's party, Trump 2024. Let's get him on the ticket. Let's get him in the White House and let's make America great again. Enough is enough. All right. Don't forget Thursday's podcast is going to be a big one. Got a big breaking story. I've been trying to get through to the uh, to the national media here. Haven't been able to do it. You, I'm going to break it right here uh, on the Alec Lay Show. So tune in for that. And you guys, it's a story you're not going to want to miss. Plus, Eric Trump will be here, Rob O'Neill. So don't miss out Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here live on Rumble. So God bless all you parents out there, all of you listeners. God bless America. God bless our troops, our veterans, our medical, our first responders, all of you guys out there, all you patriots there, all you Trump supporters. God bless you, and I'll catch you here Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on Rumble. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. Alec Lace has interviewed more than 700 dads on his award-winning podcast, First Class Fatherhood. Dads from all walks of life, including Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, Tony Hawk, Eric Trump, and so many more. Find out why First Class Fatherhood has been number one on the iTunes charts. Who these men are as fathers and how they raise their children is far more important than anything they accomplish in their careers. Alec Lace encourages his high-profile guests to share their fatherhood journeys and offer advice to new and soon-to-be dads. Let every father in your contact list know about First Class Fatherhood. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is Father's Day on First Class Fatherhood. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. The future is family.